Welcome to VR Download, our weekly show about hardware, technology, and industry trends streamed live from Upload VR Studios. We've got two things to talk about today. The first AR apps are coming to Quest 2, and Horizon Workrooms, Facebook's new remote collaboration app that may be taking on some of the current contenders in the space. So Ian, let's talk about these AR apps for Quest. So at the end of July, Oculus Quest gets an API allowing developers to make the camera pass view, that blurry low-res black and white view, the background for their apps so they can essentially make augmented reality content. What kind of content are we seeing emerge first from the developers that are experimenting with this? Yeah, so we're seeing a couple of game developers, puzzle games in particular, where things are easily grabbable uh, into your space. This is the Cubism VR demo, where their developer there is testing out uh, a pass-through mode. He's got a tweet out there where he's showing the actual spot in the menu system where he could put this, uh, so you can go light mode, dark mode, or pass-through mode, and play the exact same game, but with that, with being able to see your environment. So this like tabletop game that's just so effective for just VR in general is a perfect fit for this pass-through mode. And then the other one that we've seen already out there, there's several of these. A lot of people are experimenting with this already. But the other one is Gravity Lab and a similar sort of thing where you've got objects in your space that you can get in there and interact with and move around your space in a similar sort of way. Then we've got a third one to talk about here. And this is the kind of one that I, I think we'll end up feeding into our second discussion here, where very early on in Oculus Quest 2's rollout, I think it was Oculus Quest 2, when people were sideloading piano apps. So you could basically touch the left key on the piano, touch the right key on the piano, and kind of automatically sync up your piano to a virtual version and then move your hands along on along top of it. And here's the developer of the Reality Mixer app sort of testing that same concept with this latest software. And here's the developer of Cubism talking about trying to get the hand models to occlude the keyboard. And there's some, this is like the absolute limit of what things are possible right now. Because uh, Facebook has said that the OpenXR implementation of hand tracking is buggy right now. There's some kind of an issue. And so there's only the basics of hand tracking support through OpenXR right now. But this is going to develop really fast and get there in, in a pretty short order of being able to see basically your hands exactly where they should be above the keyboard. And then you've got basically the ultimate way of learning piano on a $300 headset right there. So very exciting things on the way, but there's uh, still a few things on the software side that need to get ironed out. I remember seeing those hands in front in the right position in Facebook's short demonstration videos of this feature. I'm assuming, based on my very limited time playing around with this, what needs to be done if you want to just show the real hands is to have a kind of custom overlay that is shaped in, in the hand tracking model shape and then render pass through onto that. Or, of course, some developers could just put the hand models themselves on. I think it's probably one of those things where, as usual, we see Facebook rule out something that doesn't really have a lot of high-level frameworks or toolkits for developers. Everything's just, they throw it out there. 
they show their great examples with all of these extra features, but it takes a while for them to release that in a, in a way that other developers can actually reuse. Yeah, so I want to talk about some of the commenters here that we see out there. Artful, Dark Elf, uh, Lucky, Onakazi, some of our regulars here. OP, let's see who else we got here. Just catching up, James. I thank you all for tuning in. I want to get into the second subject here because Facebook, what we're seeing in workrooms. So why don't you introduce that and then we'll get into what's going on with workrooms. Well, I guess the, the last thing I would say about these mixed reality apps or AR apps or whatever you want to call them with semantics is it really starts to show the advantages of developers who have built room scale content that is very native to VR, where everything that happens and all of the content takes place in front of you in a real space. Because the advantages of that versus something where you're traversing around with a thumbstick or teleportation aren't really super apparent in VR unless you're someone that gets motion sick. But once you start to see this, where it's taking place in the stage of your real room, you start to see how those kind of apps are going to have a lot of longevity and be able to be successful on non-VR platforms in the future. Mm -hmm. But let, yep. let's get on, as you say, to Horizon Workrooms. So you were able to try this out. This is Facebook's collaborative remote collaboration tool. I saw TechCrunch run a funny headline saying Facebook's first good VR app, which... <laughs> Some people may say is accurate after we've seen multiple apps from Facebook in the past in the social space come and go and not really get user retention. So first impressions, how is Horizon Workrooms? It's, to my eyes, the best remote work solution that there is there. I was very impressed with what they've done in Spatial. I've also been impressed with Immersed. I've used both and they're both doing great work, really interesting work. But this, the, those products are, and we've got uh, Guy Godin, the developer of Virtual Desktop. I would love to get some discussion going with Guy here because I, I thought of him uh, quite a bit when I was testing out workrooms here because uh, the whole discussion about competition is a really dynamic, big, juicy subject here. And Guy, if you have any comments to add to this discussion, please leave them in the, the YouTube comments so that we can Make sure to our, our podcast listeners at home get to hear what you've got to say about this sort of competitive uh, situation here where uh, to do this well, to do this co-working, co-located working situation well, I'm really convinced you need to have access to the, the system in a really robust way. And what we saw in the solution from Facebook has been them using everything possible on the quest to to push this in a completely new way. So the first image I threw up there that this that there were two things that kind of blew me away here. The spatial audio where they say that they've incorporated reverb uh, reverberation off the walls to really give you the sense of where a person is facing. So at one point in this demo, one of the Facebook employees was facing a whiteboard near the front of the room and they turned toward me and I could hear the audio change as they were facing the wall versus facing me. And I got this subtle little sense that they were actually facing a physical wall from that just difference of 20 degrees in how they were standing facing me. And then of course I did the other test where I'm turning my head away, turning my head this way and being able to pinpoint 
where different speakers in the room are exactly without even looking at them. Really, just really incredible audio. And that's one of the standout features with Horizon itself is they've done some really incredible work with the audio. But the thing that they did with the controllers surprised me. I'm going to pick up my controller here. And what they did was they turned the controller, basically the way you grip it around, and you press the base of the controller down against your desk, and it turns into kind of this fat marker. And it works reasonably well, a decent sort of writing implement in your hand. And you're able to write as if your desktop had a whiteboard on it. And then, of course, you've got your tracked keyboard. If you've got an Apple keyboard or the Logitech keyboard, you can have that tracked. And if you move it around your space, the other people in the room can see where your keyboard is. But it was funny, as soon as I got into this space, me and another journalist asked the exact same question of Facebook, where we're looking at a mirror of our display, of our computer display in VR, and we're both looking at it going, looking at the person next to us, hey, can you see my desktop? And Facebook actually has, when the you've, you can see the keyboard, but you can't see the screen ends when you're like tracking another, like a laptop. So if you've got like your MacBook, uh, computer, you see the keyboard, but the the laptop fades off when it starts to show the laptop uh, screen part of the display. And so you can't see other people's screens unless you specifically press the casting button to throw your computer's screen up onto a monitor for everyone else to share. And of course, I went in there to Netflix and tried seeing if I could throw Netflix up and we could all do that big screen functionality of watching Netflix together. And of course, that's DRM'd content and doesn't really get through the pipeline of the OS. So you, you can't really watch that kind of content in a shared way. But everything else on your desktop, all your files, you could easily throw up onto a whiteboard, onto this shared screen where you can all watch and do it. I was pretty impressed. And like I said, I've been pretty impressed with where Immersed and Spatial are. But what I'm seeing in some of this software where I put like my fingers on the keyboard and I could see my index finger hovering over uh, a specific key, it made it possible for me to reposition and get my fingers back onto the home keys after I had moved around a little bit and missed, uh, forgot where my fingers were. And you need system access to... AR pass-through in order to provide that kind of functionality. And I think other work apps like Spatial, Virtual Desktop, Gi, if you want to speak up, Immersed, and others are going to be one step behind Facebook in being able to access all of these tools. So it's going to take, like, Facebook has this head start in some ways on what they allow other devs to do with their platform. And it's going to be a race from here on out where Facebook has a lead. And what I saw with workrooms is a really solid solution for this work remote work idea that they're trying to push. So this kind of reminds me of Apple where you do see developers there and you have seen since the launch of the iPhone complain that Apple has access to these private APIs that other developers just can't access. Did you get the impression from your time in workrooms and talking to the team members on it that this is something they want to keep doing? Or do you think that these features are going to be brought out to those other work apps like Spatial and Immersed soon? Because what I'm really wondering is, 
is Workrooms this leap ahead that is better than all these competitors just because it has these private APIs first? Or if they give these this functionality to these other apps, do you think it would still have an edge that would make people want to pick it over them? No. I think if devs had access to these APIs, they would do some pretty magical things with them in a pretty pretty short order. And I'm seeing Guy's comment in the, or sorry, Guy's comment in the, in our comments here saying, from what I've tested, desktop streaming in workrooms is trash. Low frame rate, low frame rate, no audio streaming when in a group. The onboarding process is also super convoluted. I think that's an excellent summary of the roadblocks to workrooms and a point that if you gave all of these APIs to Guy, he would do some magical things with it and it would be that high high quality super low latency solution that he's been working on for multiple years tuned for this remote desktop uh, solution he's got. So yes, I would love to see devs be able to access this and see what they can do with it. And we know Facebook has picked certain developers to partner with. And I, I was joking with you, Heaney, we've got our custom studio here that as soon as they release the some of these things, I'm going to want them supported because it is so useful to be able to access some of your mixed reality, like your desk. Having your actual desk, I, I, I ended up rearranging my whole desk because of this situation. I have an L-shaped desk in my office, and my I have one monitor here, a second monitor in the corner, and then I have this third L-shape of my desk. I had to clear it off entirely and then put this tracked keyboard down in that space so that I could have this rectangular space that was just dedicated to my workspace for my my workroom space and that's not really efficient like I should be able to share the same space that I use for my desktop computer with my virtual one but I put one of the questions I put to Facebook it was really confusing to me this keyboard had to be bluetooth connected to my PC so I had to unpair it from my quest and then pair it to my PC in order for it to be tracked in the workroom's experience. And I put this question to them of like, why? And honestly, I can't even really remember their answer of just, it's like a first-time implementation type thing. They wanted whatever keyboard you're using for your PC to be the keyboard that you're accessing through the Quest, since that's probably the way uh, you want to use it. But I, I don't want to have to repair a keyboard to my pc if it's paired to my quest and i want that pairing to go from app to app and i think devs could pursue that sort of thing uh it was just an odd little thing where like i have a wired keyboard for my desktop pc and that's why i ended up having to use the other l shape on my desk for just the dedicated workrooms experience was i'm not going to unplug my wired pc or push it to the back of the room just to have this workrooms experience that I'm going to use once a week. I suppose if I relied on a Bluetooth keyboard as my main workhorse keyboard for my desktop, I would do that. But <laughs> this keyboard is meant for my Quest and being paired to my Quest and getting it paired to my PC is just an extra step. And I don't know, it's that 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 is the limits of where they are right now. I'm sure it's going to improve very quickly. I think it's actually quite surprising to some, and I would say myself included, to see Facebook lean so heavily into requiring a PC for this and, and streaming from a PC because we saw their original 
infinite office prototypes look like this where you streamed your windows pc desktops and you used your keyboard from your pc but then we saw facebook really lean heavily into oculus browser and every other update for the quest was something about expanding browser to give it more features to allow you to have triple browser monitors and things like that has facebook spoken about whether someone who isn't using a pc could have a oculus browser pane in the position here and cast completely standalone so they could be in hotel room or on the go and just having a web-based office on google docs and not have to use a pc for this that's a great question and didn't get the chance to put that in front of them but it is an obvious sort of avenue that they really should go down and i would love to see them do that but i think they built this for uh a different solution where you're no you're going to have a laptop or a pc at your disposal and you're going to want to pull content up from that existing device for these workroom sessions with other people, some of whom could be in video chat mode, some of whom might be completely standalone somewhere and away from their PC. But it is obviously like a, a major... I wonder why we can't pull up the browser windows already in VR apps. Is it just too intensive to have even one browser window open at a time when you're actually in a VR app doing something like real VR phishing or even something more significant. Yeah, I was about to say, I guess it depends on how much RAM the app leaves left, because as you say, real VR phishing has their web browser in it. And we use a web view on this app to be able to read your comments live on our tablets. So I guess it is just a matter of resources. I also wonder about the private APIs. You talk about this audio and surprising to me to have that amount of people with traced audio as in it can reflect off walls. That's something we haven't really seen Quest apps on mobile do yet. Has Facebook talked about whether they're doing any of that server side like they talked about a few Oculus Connects ago or has because that may make it more difficult for other devs to replicate this? It seems like hmm. there are some things Facebook still does that it knows other devs can't replicate? It's a good question. I think that the, the most detail they gave us on that was they basically said that this app is pushing Quest to its absolute limit computationally. This is doing as much as they can with the Quest 2. And I'm, I think what we've seen from Facebook is that they do try very hard to decrease that computational power over time, use less, do more with less eventually. But I think what we're seeing with this app in particular is... They're turning on all of the things they possibly can to get it up and running and do all these things. I want to say thank you to Alakazam for the donate the tip there. That was very generous. Thank you so much for supporting us. And it, it's amazing to me that the, the point from Alakazam here is that it's a $300 headset. And another comment I saw very early in our show was wondering whether we might see a preview or a tease of this fabled Quest Pro on the October 28th Facebook Connect event. And I think that's a really interesting idea that Qualcomm, near the end of the year sometimes, debuts their next chipsets. And Facebook has, when, when they know they've got like a price that nobody else can match, that they're, gonna, they're willing to take a perhaps multi-hundred dollar loss on hardware sales, it doesn't really hurt them to come out and say what the price is months ahead of time. Like, of course, they came out and said Quest 2 or sorry, the original Quest is coming next year and it'll be $400. 
And I almost believe that helped keep other people like Google from getting serious about its standalone ambitions. And so if at the end of this year, they're able to specify that the Quest Pro is in a different pricing category from the Quest 2, and it's going to add more sensors for the user to to take advantage of, and the Quest 2 is going to be sold alongside the Quest Pro, I would be I'd be curious if they could do that. It's just maybe do you think that would detract from sales of Quest 2 if they said Quest Pro is coming and it's going to do all these things, but it's going to cost, I don't know, six or eight hundred dollars? See, I, I actually think it would. And I think the problem with looking back on the past Oculus announcements, for example, as you say, Quest was announced very long in advance, as was Go, as was Rift before it went on the market, is that those were new product categories. And Quest and Go was their first standalone. Quest was their first room scale standalone. I think even if you're talking about something that delivers more features and a richer level of experience than Quest, I can't see them cannibalizing their own seals by announcing something like that. Mm. I also, I think given the current chip shortage in the global supply chain, it doesn't seem likely that they would want to announce something before they're certain that they can ship it at scale. So I'm on the side that I would bet against seeing a Quest Pro announced at, at the next mm. Facebook Connect in October 28th, but I could be entirely wrong. I'm not confidently stating that. That's just my view based on the fact that this would be within the CM product line. Mm. One, one thing I wanted to ask you about Horizon Workrooms, and th the biggest question I've seen in all the announcements is, a lot of people's initial reaction was, oh, I can't access this because I'm not in the Horizon beta, but this is a separate app on the store. It's not called Oculus Workrooms. It's not called Facebook Workrooms. It's Horizon Workrooms. So is Horizon Facebook's general brand for social VR now? Are we going to see more apps like this that give a specific kind of functionality that isn't possible in Horizon proper? Or mm. what is the kind of, what is the gist you got off Facebook around this new Horizon branding? Yeah, so this was our first kind of opportunity to sit down virtually with Andrew Bosworth, the head of Facebook Reality Labs. He was in my session where I got a demo of this. There were several uh, Facebook PR people around the space sort of filming clips of it. Mark Zuckerberg, I think, actually sat in on a different press briefing for a different group of journalists. And But it was my first time to actually put questions to Bosworth. And I put that exact question to him when we were in the session together. And it was like a two-part question. So the first part of the question I asked him was, what's the pricing model of this? And the, the, the second part of that question was, how does this relate to the actual Horizon proper application that you're building? And so his answer to the first part of that question was, quote, this is going to be free. We're going to put this out there for people to use for free. We want to see what people do with it. We are very confident it'll be useful for meetings because we already use it for meetings. But I also think it will be useful for, for people just beyond just meetings. The second part, the part where we're talking about Horizon, it got much more sort of uh, philosophical or there's this metaverse term that is being repeated everywhere. And it's really, I, I hate talking about it because it is very much a, a marketing 
jargon term to me. It's a way of talking about a broader vision these companies want to achieve. And it's like we're letting these companies run with a term that is science fiction and use it to brand whatever they want. But the way Bosworth explained it, paraphrasing here, is going from workrooms to the Horizon multi-world spaces that are built by people in Horizon is a universe. That you're going from one space on the Facebook servers to another space on the Facebook servers. And it's all within this ecosystem, using the same avatars, using the same identity system. And it should be pretty seamless going from, say, a workspace to going with a couple of these people to go play a round of mini golf, assuming that they have mini golf somewhere in a horizon room or the example he specifically gave, which I've talked about on Twitter is escape rooms. There was a very interesting escape room that I tried, uh, not a very interesting, it was an interesting escape room on the horizon servers. And it was like, they had these puzzles in, in shapes all around the room. And it was like, no, there was no English so it was clear that they wanted to target a, an escape room that they could have anyone in any language try to solve with shape puzzles and things around the room that you have to move and do different things with. Um, the, the idea being you could be working here and then go over to that escape room in Horizon and you're staying within that same universe and it being the Facebook universe, the Facebook Horizon universe. Metaverse, I guess, uh, philosophically, according to Facebook, is when you start going across properties and still bringing over some of your virtual goods to other properties. So maybe you've got uh, clothing that you want to take to another company's piece of software and go off of the Facebook servers. That's where Metaverse starts coming into to shape. And I think it's just... I. I it's really hard for me to use that term metaverse because it's just being, I don't know. I hate that Epic and Facebook get to start embracing that term and a million articles get written about metaverse just because they're both trying to define what they're doing competitively with this science fiction term from the 90s. Yeah, I guess this kind of does answer some of the questions that emerged a few weeks ago when Facebook started to talk to all of these outlets and news organizations about this idea of the metaverse where there were questions of is this going to be something that's a consistent app but it does sound from what you're describing that it is more of a loosely used term where we're still talking about separate android apps on a technical sense but they have a consistency of avatars and experience and maybe the user interface is similar with epic at least you can say their metaverse seems to be coming around this one single app, Fortnite, where when you move from experience to experience, be it one of the concerts they've run soon or the Among Us clone that they're running, these are all within the same app and you, there is an actual seamless transition. But if I, w if I was in workrooms and I wanted to go to that Horizon mini golf experience and I didn't have Horizon installed, it would say, please install the app from the store. And I would mm -hmm. still go to an app store. Or if Horizon had an update, I would still have to download that Horizon update in the background. So I feel like Facebook wants to have all of the marketing advantages of a metaverse, but without really building the technical infrastructure from it. Because to me, mm. a metaverse should be this one kind of runtime system. You call it an app or call it a 
a client, however you want to describe it, I call it a browser, where there isn't this dependency on updating a separate executable for every type of experience I want to go to. And I can really truly seamlessly travel between them without a cross-app loading screen. I want to talk about the first part of your answer, though, free. This app is competing against other apps which cost for their full functionality something around 20 to $30 per person per month. Something like Immersed, for example, which I am a huge fan of. I tried it when it first came out. I remember having a few one-on-one meetings with some people in Immersed and really enjoying it. And it has it's a similar concept to Horizon Workrooms. This is an old screenshot. But how do apps like Immersed and Spatial and ViveSync compete with free? How is that fair if there is such a concept of fair in a software market? Or how does Facebook expect a natural productivity and remote collaboration app ecosystem to emerge if they're going to offer something with a bunch of private APIs that's completely free because they can mm. back it up with all of their advertising money? Why is that going to work out? Well, that's the, that is a huge question there. I don't know how... Because Facebook has such a multi-pronged attack on this competitive landscape, it makes it really hard to compete. They've got the identity system locked down here where you have to be in a Facebook account and use your real identity just to get into so many apps. And right now, that's a really useful tool for a ton of these developers because they don't have a banning system in place. There's no way to permanently keep a bad actor out of your app if they can just go make a second uh, account very quickly and, and still cause spam or grief for the other people in your software. That's just the beginning of this multi-pronged thing of just identity system, avatars, platform itself, the app distribution system. Like There's just so many layers where a competitor can enter on but still have to use so many of Facebook services to just be on a level playing field. We say this, I, I, t- I go back and forth with you, Heaney, on this, where we are using Facebook's avatar systems for this studio right now. We're using Oculus's APIs on a standalone headset right now to power this studio. And there's a cost in us wanting to offer another option to people who might want to join us in the studio or ourselves where like you put it jokingly to me on a previous show where it's like there is no other headset for us to use right now so there's no other like a non-facebook device for us to really get people into our studio so it's a moot point of arguing whether we have something else but if we go too far down the rabbit hole of supporting only oculus apis then it becomes extremely expensive and hard for us to go out and offer an alternative option for people who don't want to touch Facebook's ecosystem. And that's what's going to happen to all the competitors, where it becomes impossible for you not to support Facebook stuff. I want to throw up this tweet that I I thought was so interesting from someone at UNICEF. So Antonia wrote, If anything highlights the need for more diverse and imaginative leadership, it's this. In the, quote, metaverse, you can be anything and anywhere you want. You can look however you like. So who chooses to mirror their real form in a mirror office? 
those that benefit from that setup. The replies to this, we're talking about VRChat. We've already seen VRChat mentioned in our comments a bunch on this discussion. And I think it's so significant that we have both the VRChat option and the real office option in VR. Like, I think it signifies how past the point of no return we are with virtual reality that both of those things exist you can go and be as weird as you want to be over in vr chat and you can be your real self in this work app this workrooms app from facebook and you can do both and they're both actually pretty popular useful in different ways, solutions for people. VR is here and it's here to stay. It's, that's what that tells me. I want to bring up a comment from Guy here who is replying to our question of how do you compete with free if you're an independent developer? And Guy says, you have to stay ahead of them and build a higher quality experience. Facebook is so big that they are slow and tend to have a per user experience, but still it sucks for existing developers in the space. So yeah, there is this opportunity, obviously, to build something faster and better and respond to VR users quicker than a, a huge organization can. But I obviously still worry about the fact that at the end of the day, developers have to eat, they have families, they have to charge an actual price for their product. They can't just throw it out and see what people do with it like Facebook is going to. And obviously, your your point on these private, sorry, these proprietary APIs that lock developers into Facebook's platform is a great one, I think. Uh, though recently with OpenXR, we're starting to see that move away. This app, the only Facebook API we use in this app is Avatars. In our recent build, it is OpenXR. But as you say, there is no, there's no other widely owned headset that someone can use yet. So I think some of these problems will come more into focus once we do see Quest competitors out in the market. And for productivity apps that don't need gaming controllers, I, I think the Lynx R1 headset, if it manages to launch early next year as planned will be the first headset where we do see apps like immersed and spatial and big screen and hopefully virtual desktop be able to move on to non-Facebook platforms and actually have more than one standalone option. I loved this dialogue when I was installing the Oculus remote desktop uh, software on my PC and it says, Windows protected your PC. It was funny to me because it's here's Facebook trying to push through Windows platforms. So this is Windows run anyway dialogue that more or less is like sideloading on a Windows PC, Facebook software. But it's almost this is what's required from Facebook to compete at Microsoft's level and get onto its system. And just the wording of this is funny to me because it's like Windows is protecting you from Facebook, where everyone in our comments and our readership out there, there's a lot of people really concerned about what Facebook is going to do with your personal information. Here's, uh, I don't know, Facebook's or uh, Windows Microsoft's gate to stop or, or make sure what you're doing when you make that when you take that step. And then here was another dialogue that's in this sort of setup system when you're actually getting into workrooms. And it says, uh, Facebook does not use the content of your work messages or audio conversations in workrooms with other people for ad targeting. 
And then, of course, the second one, workrooms can't access, view, or store images or videos of your physical environment from the Oculus Quest 2 sensors. That being a reference to the light turning on and the way that the Quest supposedly destroys the images as they're captured, uses just the tracking information before discarding the rest from the inside tracking system. But those are real concerns, and they've put them up front at every step of the workroom's experience because we do have this kind of like platform war situation going on where certain people just don't trust Facebook with their personal information. And it, it goes to this, I don't know, you know I, I am comfortable with Apple charging me more upfront for hardware in order to have a not ad based solution to profiting off of my use of their service. Whereas Facebook is able to put so much out for free because that is, they're just doing the complete opposite avenue. They don't care about profit off of the hardware and they have to be upfront with this plan. But I, I do wonder, do you think that number one thing is going to go away in in five years. I guess if they're targeting businesses for this, it's, I wonder whether we'll see this split into something that is done separately through Facebook's workplace platform and separately through their consumer platform. Cause it is strange to me how this app seems to be at an intersection of both. When I first heard that Facebook was hosting meetings in VR a few years ago, and I think it was a Bloomberg or the information report, it was from the information. I was wondering is this going to be something that is just released onto the store or is this going to be through Facebook Workplace? And it, it's all to see it just come through the store because you do get these kind of conflicting use cases where our business is going to be comfortable to use something like this on a consumer platform where there is data collection, even if there isn't within this specific app for the purposes of advertising. It, it does seem like it's not going to be something that most businesses are comfortable with. Mm. So that that was one thing we didn't cover here, but I do want to mention just so it's clear to our audience. Facebook had said that you obviously need a, a Facebook account to use a Quest, but if you're joining over video chat into one of these workrooms that they've built, you do not need a Facebook account. You need a workrooms account which is what Guy was referring to on the onboarding being a little bit of an issue here. Why would they, I don't quite understand the logic of requiring kind of any account at all if you're going to try to lower the barrier to entry there from video chat. Like, I guess it's a spam thing, but Zoom has this link-only sharing system where you can get into some of their stuff pretty effectively without too much setup there. So I, I, I don't know. I'm curious about the underlying logic there. And I guess that is the price of not having a price. They, At the end of the day, they don't want people who aren't already in the Facebook ecosystem or who aren't willing to jump into this. And they want to get every opportunity push to make people join in to even be able to view these kind of meetings. So it makes sense for them to keep pushing that. But as you say, it has a heavy cost of convenience if you do want to take someone who you may not have been normally involved with or a remote client or someone you're dealing with for a few days and you just want to get them in the meeting without having to go through this process. Julian mentioning Workrooms does use the workplace infrastructure for accounts, but they're kept separate for now. Boz told me as much, but it's absolutely the workplace framework. Yeah. 
yeah, without the, you don't have to actually subscribe to workrooms to use it is what I meant. It seems strange that they would push it through the consumer space because the workrooms, sorry, Facebook workplace is not free because they don't use that kind of uh, targeted advertising model. Whereas the consumer Facebook is free because they do. So I'm wondering how are they positioning from a privacy perspective, something that is for businesses, but also free because it's not something we've actually seen them do before. I want to just bring back to this very interesting tweet you brought up about the differences between having a representation of yourself versus anyone you want to be. Give me more of your deeper thoughts on this. Is Do you see people in 10 years meeting where one looks like a dinosaur and the other looks like a client? <laughs> or do you think people will want to look like themselves? What is your kind of thought there? Yeah, I love that question. It's, it's a really fascinating one. Uh, so I talked with Leanne Pedante. I, sh- I had her in the studio here. She's the head of fitness at Supernatural. And I, I loved her comment where she talked about VR's power in the ability to try on different identities. And I, I thought that was such a a powerful way of looking at like the real allure of something like VR chat and some of these other solutions where VR literally lets you try things out without harm. That's the overall pitch of the training use of VR. Like the, the very first use of uh, VR is to try out high risk things that would be risky to try with real physical equipment and in the real world, but do it in a no risk scenario where you're going through all the steps, but it's a simulation. And if you fail, nothing is harmed. And you take that one step further and you can try out things you're not comfortable with attaching your real identity to. And there's plenty of people that feel locked into their bodies locked into what society told them they need to be. And that's VR chat is not that. And being able to go and be whatever you want to be sounds so silly to say, like the be the dinosaur thing. But for plenty of people out there who aren't happy with what society gave them or told them they need to be, there's real exploration and change that can come from being able to don something different than your actual appearance. And so there's both ends of this spectrum of having to wear an avatar. Facebook has said that they're trying to embrace this kind of idea of, yeah, you should you should have both, right? Yeah, I think for workplace meetings, I'm not going to want to interact with a dinosaur. I'm going to want to react, interact with a real person. But there's plenty of jobs out there where, I don't know, you do need to interact with everyone as they come in all their shapes, sizes, forms. And so not everyone wants to be tracked all the time or have to show their real appearance and have a, a passport identity card to do literally anything. That's where we get into these really deep questions of privacy and freedom to do things without repercussions. That's one of those things that VR and the internet is, is going to be this constant tension where one side is going to be pushing us toward attaching your real identity to all the things you do. And there's real benefits to that as well, as there is this other benefit of being able to explore 
things you can't with your body that you were born with. I think it's going to be both for the foreseeable future. And it's going to be this thing we're going to come back to in the 2030s, 40s, 50s about having both of these systems in constantly in, in tension with one another. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess the only kind of disagreement I would have would be, I do think there is a limit from a a form perspective and not really appearance. I think I could see people having all kinds of virtual appearances and maybe picking a different one for different contexts. But when it's something that starts to diverge from standard humanoid, I wonder how that's going to look with body tracking because underlying whatever you your form is in VR, there's still going to be this better and better every year kind of mapping of your physical movement, which is driven by your real life muscular skeletal system. And so I just wonder how that's going to map onto forms that aren't similar to you or aren't even humanoid at all. Because we see actors in movies when they're using mocap systems to play very different types of creatures than humans, they have to very intentionally change the entire way they move and even their kind of subtle movements or it looks just like a person in a giant costume of that form. So mm. it'll be interesting to see how better and better body tracking and the desire to look radically different than you actually do may confront each other at some point and what solutions there are there other than changing your tracking, which would obviously give a certain level of discomfort since your your fingers and arms wouldn't be one-to-one to where you're actually feeling them go. So I think it's something that is very hard to give any concrete speculation mm. at this point when we have these headsets that just have head and hands. But over time, it's going to be interesting to see how that <laughs> mixture interacts. I, I I don't know. So there's that other comment from Mark Zuckerberg where he's talking about controlling virtual appendages, like virtual hands. So being able to think of a third hand and being able to control that just by like training your mind to believe it has. You're doing something with your hands that you're not actually doing or being able to have uh, virtual limbs that, that do what you tell them to, even though you're not actually moving real limbs. I'm curious to see how that folds into what you just brought up as far as tails. Tails being the kind of like thing in all those animals that are going to be in VR chat. Can I just think of having a tail that I want to whip around in different directions, like a dinosaur, and have that actually res- be there in on my avatar believably it's it's such a ridiculous thing to talk about but i I do wonder if we're going to have that in five or ten years with these technologies that are next generation you know two or three generations away maybe i think that one may work a little bit better since humans still do have the little vestigial bone from the tail and we we had a tail (laughs) a couple hundred million years ago no a few billion years ago oh my gosh sorry our commenters know how close we've come to the weirdness yeah (laughs) yeah Oh man, this is weird. We are, VR is weird and it's going to get weirder as we go. Yeah. And I'm so glad that like we've talked about, we got, we've got readers who, and viewers who span the spectrum of like people who really appreciate their quests and what Facebook is doing. But there's plenty of people out there who love VR chat and love how you are so disembodied from your real identity. And I'm, I want to make sure that we, represent those perspectives as 
as much as we can because there are two very different, very vastly different uses for VR here. And that's why I think it's going to be such a big technology. I always think it's interesting how little coverage VR chat gets relative to the amount of content that actually is in it because for all of the marketing thrown around, I don't think anyone would argue with the claim that the closest thing to the metaverse we have today is VR chat. You could maybe say rec room in a sense. It's cartoonish aesthetic means that certain environments that can be done in VR chat can't really properly be done in rec room, even though it has its own kind of visual scripting system and you can build a lot of powerful functionality. So it is interesting to see how you have all this kind of marketing and investment in Epic and Facebook, but at the end of the day, it is these relatively small startups that are actually building what real users would describe as the metaverse here and today. James comment here, people are really look people really look to VR for new experiences that they never had before. And that's that's a really good way of framing the, the allure of VR chat number one, right off the bat there. But also being able to interact with people that you can't interact with because they're physically distant from you is what Workrooms is doing on the other end of the spectrum. Like I work with David Heaney here who lives in Northern Ireland and I would never, you know, I still have yet to meet this person yet. I have a pretty good, uh, a pretty decent sense of who he is after being able to interact with him through virtual reality. I still, all things considered, I'm still not entirely convinced you're not an artificial intelligence, but 99% convinced. Now you've got me thinking about how will we know who is a real person and who is AI in future metaverses? Could it be how they move? Maybe it is that humans move in a particular way that they won't be oh. able to replicate just as well. They'll do can something that just is a little off. Can we close this out with the, the Turing test that we know Facebook is going to tell us more about? What do you think the Turing test that is that they're going to, they're going to share soon? Yeah, so that is actually... One oh no! Of the most interesting things we've seen them note. If you're seeing me as frozen right now, don't worry because I saw you as frozen in a second. But I think we can still hear each other, so let's continue. So there is this idea in AI of a Turing test. It's named after Alan Turing, one of the founding fathers of computer science, who came up with the idea. And it, most people, I'm, I'm sure, that are watching this will have heard of it. And the idea is that you have to speak to a computer and you get the response. And if you can't tell whether it's a computer or a person, it passes the Turing test. Now, Facebook have talked about this idea that they want to have a visual Turing test for virtual reality. And we haven't really heard the details, but it sounds like what this is going to be is you put on a virtual reality headset with cameras on the front, and, if you, and you go off into a room, and if you can't tell whether what you're seeing in that room is virtual or you're just seeing directly through mixed reality into a room, then it's past the Turing test. I, the idea is, I remember Douglas Landman, Facebook's head of display research, talking about this old concept of the ultimate display, a window that if it was in front of you, like a television, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between it and a real window out to just your garden or your yard because the quality of the image is completely indistinguishable from reality. So how are we going to see Facebook tackle the idea of a visual Turing test? Is this going to be something they think they have hardware that can get anywhere near? Or is this something where they're setting up a benchmark and we can measure over time how close the, the current day's VR technology display systems are 
to the ultimate display of am I actually wearing a headset or just looking through at the real world? Because if, mm. if VR can get to that point within our lifetimes or within the next few decades, that's that massively transforms the kind of appeal of the technology. It is at that point the promises that were given a few years ago of the virtual teleporter where if you want to go and visit the top of the Alps, why not just put on a VR headset that looks indistinguishable? So what are your thoughts on, on that? Are, are you, what are you expecting from Facebook around the visual Turing test? Yeah, some, someone here, James, is bringing Lightfield Labs, which I did get to see very early Lightfield Labs demo. And it was very interesting, this idea of a real holodeck where you can move around the objects and have like light from all around you being presented one-to-one. It's the real world. I'm curious, I want to go back to your explanation of how this would work, like how this test would actually be shown to to people. So do you need to do you need like a headset that's let's say a VR headset with opaque displays and offering a pass-through view to the world around it? And then do you also need like one that's physically very the same? Like you you can't tell that it's it's gram for gram the exact same weight as the other one. But it just has transparent lenses, like mm. you let you see the raw world on the other side of it is without any computerized system interfering. Is that how those that would work? I guess there are a few ways they could do it, and that would be one of them. But I can't see any way where there isn't a point of blindfolding. Regardless of this, they would have to move you into a room that you haven't seen at the start of the experiment. Otherwise, you would by before putting on the headset, you would know that you're in a room where that is real. So. I think there would have to be a, a point at which you, regardless of whether this is a, a transparent lens or a pass-through system, there is a temporary blindfold and you're moved into the room that you haven't yet seen. And your task is to say what parts of that room are real and what parts are virtual. Because mm. if the pet test is passed, you can't tell. There could be one a couch on the left that's virtual and a couch on the right that's real. And, you, and mm. again, that could be the test. It could be anything like that it'll be interesting to see what the implementation is but the idea is bold and i didn't really expect to even hear concrete talk about this in the early 2020s because as we all know none of the display and optical systems on the market or even in labs is anywhere near close to that Mm. yeah i can't that's one of those things obviously our our readers, viewers out there, I think we're hankering to understand when the Facebook Connect conference is. And obviously we have a date for that now of uh, late October. And I very much, I, I would expect that download to be then. That would that was really when they were going to unload a lot of that information on us. I think at a previous Connect, they did the auditory, they did like an auditory version of that, of they they did that example to Michael Abrash, one of the audio researchers at Facebook, put a cassette in a tape and hit the play button on it, I think, and asked Michael Abrash to identify whether it was real or not, something like that. And it turned out that the audio that was coming to Abrash's ears was completely virtual, that the cassette in the machine was not actually playing anything and it tricked his brain into sort of fully believing the audio was actually in that room with him. I feel like audio 
is a lot easier because I can actually remember one time I was wearing a headset. I can't even remember off the top of my head which headset, but the app hadn't fully closed for some reason. The display was no longer there, but the audio was still running. So the app was still processing tracking and playing audio. And I was walking around my room with the headset half on my head. And I, I turned around wondering, where is that water come, coming from? And it was a stream that was in the game. But I was wondering that I left some sort of tap running somewhere that I wasn't noticing, even <laughs> for just a few seconds, but it really had me convinced. So I can see an audio Turing test being at that point. But again, it's really hard to imagine a visual Turing test being anywhere near compelling. And I guess with the whole pandemic and lack of abil- ability to access physical hardware, this is one of those things, again, where we're going to have to potentially hear about something that is quite impressive sounding, but not really get to scrutinize it. Although we don't know what's going to happen in the coming months and what's going to be possible. So hopefully we are able to get on some of these types of projects from Facebook and other companies in the coming months. Going back to what we're talking about with Quest Pro, I would be curious to see if, is there any use or value in Facebook kind of showing off APIs for better facial tracking or optical eye tracking or full body tracking without also confirming that they've got hardware to drive those APIs or are they going to have to go hand in hand there? I guess if you're going to deliver a capability like that in any way that's useful to developers, you're going to have to give them hardware or at the very least provide hardware to select devs that are eligible for whatever program they have. It's again, for all we know, we could be in the dark and something like that could be happening already. But I feel like some outlet somewhere or someone on Twitter somewhere would have probably leaked if that were the case. But it's interesting to think of this. How do they add this new functionality while battling their consumer marketing priorities of not cutting off the current seals of their current hardware while also giving developers the ability to build the many features that will be standard, normal, and expected on VR headsets in 2025, but aren't present at all on Quest 2. How do they mm-hmm. get there without doing that? It, that is a question. Cool. I thank you so much for our commenters today. We've had a lot of people talking about the future here. And I think people understanding this sort of, yeah, the VR chat and the work-based experiences are both relevant, actual, like desired uses of VR. And I want to make sure that we make sure that our we're embracing both of those going forward because, yeah, I'm convinced that we're going to be so many years of having both of these things, of being able to work in VR with people who are far away. I've mentioned this on previous shows, but I look forward to this podcast and seeing you virtually every week and being able to have this kind of like contact with a coworker when the alternative is a chat window all the time. And it becomes so isolating just to have uh, a chat window or I hate how often are you on video chat Heaney uh, let's put it that way yeah I think for me video chats are compelling in the sense you get to see the person but there is this video chats just don't trigger that sense of actually having another person in front of you even I've tried some of the devices where you can attach a camera to your tv and have the person at full size and it still just doesn't trigger it because a rectangle, a 2D rectangle in front of you showing a person just isn't the same as a person because you're not seeing them move in 3D space. So I feel like 
Today, it would be great to somehow have the advantages of video chats and VR, where you do have that sense of shared space where the same objects are relative to you as the other person in space. But obviously, that's something that VR could deliver in the future if we can get those photorealistic face-tracked, body-tracked avatars in virtual reality. That is obviously the goal. But for now, it feels like we're stuck between these two technologies where neither really delivers social presence. And even today in 2021, for as advanced as people consider technology to be, nothing comes close to really being face-to-face yet. I'd be curious to see if we see video chat solutions that incorporate spatial uh, audio. If you could just tack on spatial audio to uh, an otherwise flat screen video chat, a conversation, it might be pretty impressive. But I guess there are a few that do that. But the problem is it's still physically in front of you in this kind of rectangle. And it's, it's not even the audio. It's the fact that if we are in a meeting and we're looking at a virtual whiteboard screen like this, when we're both pointing at the same thing, there is research that I've read in behavioral psychology about this idea of having a shared object that we're both pointing and looking towards and interacting with. There is a social connection there that is just not replicable on any kind of video chat solution today. When you're in a, when you're surrounded by people visually in a real meeting or a VR meeting, they're each at a different angle to you where it's not like, and they're at the same angle to you. It's consistent if you were on a virtual, on a video chat, sorry, there's a webcam grid in front of you with a certain amount of rows and columns. And to that person, you're there. And to them, you are there. Mm. There's no real sense of being in a space. It's as if it's not really any more compelling than audio chat from an actual feeling like you're there with someone perspective for me. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. I guess I'm curious over time if workrooms get support for the airpods pro and some of that spatial audio and being able to i don't know get some of that sense of where the people are in the room when they've got their avatars even though you're not actually in the space yourself with a quest i still wonder if there's benefits there but i get what you're saying that makes sense yeah we're gonna have a, a very busy week on uploadvr.com obviously the quest 2 goes back on sale tomorrow with double storage and then it's going to be a very quick push to the end of the year with lots of games lined up to release uh, heading into the, the holiday season. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of surprises heading into that release schedule. So we're keeping up with it and make sure to to come back to UploadVR.com as we keep updating nonstop. Anything else going on, Heaney? Just having a look at some of the comments here. James O'Loughlin pointing out that the whole paradigm we're in of LCD and OLED displays with Fresnel-like lenses magnifying them would need to change if there's going to be a visual Turing test that can really work. And he goes on to say, the main problem for the optics display systems of today is the Virgin's accommodation conflict where everything is at the same focal plane this is so strange because you've frozen, but you're still talking, but it's still working. So yeah, we've seen prototypes from companies like Facebook and others that show future display technologies, but we still haven't seen anything come to the consumer market yet just because of the difficulties. And the fact that even this Quest 2 is still using what is essentially commercial off-the-shelf hardware. This is still an LCD panel 
of the same type that if you took this out, you could use it in a phone or a tablet if you really wanted to. There's nothing special about it. Obviously, there there is the fact that it can do low persistence. These panels are usually picked because they have a very they have very large pixels with very small gaps between them. But other than these kind of minor changes, they're not really a custom tailor for VR display system. So it's an interesting question to think about when are we going to see that shift over that we go from just off-the-shelf technology to custom because mm-hmm. we can't really make the next leap on the path to the visual Turing test without doing that. And we're probably pretty close to the limits of what you can do with a Fresnel lens in front of an LCD panel yeah. without coming into the limitations of it. I, I am really curious that the Quest Pro and whatever Pro hardware we might see out of Apple and maybe other companies, if they are able to do some of those. The lens system that we've seen, the lens-based versions accommodations solution that Facebook has alluded to for a couple of years now. I'll be curious to see if that comes out. Artful pointing out that the Lynx R1 has bespoke lenses. Yeah, it does. And it, it, there are some advantages to that. And we talked about that in the show where we were discussing our kind of thoughts of Lynx, which I recommend you go back and watch because there's a lot of things to discuss there. And Lynx is a really promising looking piece of hardware. Again, it's still the same paradigm though. It's still, those are still standard LCD displays being magnified onto a larger field of view. People here in the comments talking about the idea of light field displays, of holographic rasters of sorts. There's all kind of potential future technologies, but it's a long wait to see something like that get out of the lab and into something that can be mass produced at a reasonable cost. Daniel pointing out that he still wants video chats because he wants to see other people and not the avatars. And until it looks exactly like someone, he considers it a gimmick. I would say, Daniel, I recommend if you haven't, try a VR meeting where you're actually sitting around people and you're able to share content onto some sort of shared whiteboard. There there are many apps that do this and you're able to have spatial audio. You would be surprised how compelling it is even with these kind of cartoon representations in VR today simply because of the subconscious cues that you take from having people in a three-dimensional space around you that are actually talking from a a mouth and sharing the same coordinate system with you and not just a a row of grids in front of you. But but point taken, there is obviously a barrier there to really connecting with people without seeing their true appearance brought over. Really great comments today. Are we we done, Heaney? You think that's it for the discussion? If anybody has any comments or questions, get them in now because I think we're going to wrap up here in a minute. Yeah, I think we're just about ready to wrap up again. As you said, Ian, there is, I'm just scrolling through the comments here to see a lot of the, the input there. It's really great to see the level of conversation we got on here. You never expect to see this kind of, <laughs> before we started running this show, you, I, I never expected to see this level of, of discourse in YouTube live comments. So I'm, I'm very pleasantly surprised in the past sort of year or two of running this show, the, the kind of discussion we're able to get on this channel. Yeah, I, we're working really hard at it. And obviously, everyone in our comments that's been a longtime viewer, we want to invite new people into our community all the time. And there's new people getting into VR constantly. But I think what happens with VR is, I don't know, you try it out in 2014, and it's terrible, and you're never going to get into it. You try it in 2016, and it's too expensive. 2018, and again, it's too limited because you have to use a phone, or or, uh, not a phone, but you've got to use standalone VR, and you're not able to lean. 
you tried in 2020 and the avatars are still weird. And, but I think what happens at each of these milestones is people like more and more people get hooked on the things they get out of it. And they want to go deeper and know what the next steps are. And I don't know, that always means that there's people who are like learning all the time at many different levels, what this technology is good for, what it's capable of. And we want to be so welcoming and our longtime viewers are going to be so welcoming. It's so important in welcoming those new people into that discourse and making sure that they can get up to speed and understand what the stuff like I, I'm so sick to death and I can't believe we're still having the headlines in 2021 of VR is dead. VR is a gimmick. And we're not having those discussions here. And we're not going to have those discussions. We're going to be talking about what is it good for? How do we do it? And what is it useful for going into the, the next decade? And our commenters are going to be so important in making sure that we have those discussions. So join us next week for a detailed look at the acronyms XR, AR. No, no I'm just kidding. That's oh, my nice. God, no. Yeah. Hosted by right. Ian. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, no. We could do a joke podcast. I've been, we need to get some. There's some really funny. I'm glad we didn't have a Kyle dad joke. Did we escape this podcast without a, a Kyle dad joke? I think we did. Hopefully, there was, Kyle wasn't going to spawn in behind the cameras there. And, and <laughs> I, I was expecting, and I really was expecting Kyle to pop in at one point. There is a seat behind the camera. So I've been watching yeah. it the whole time, nervously waiting for the eject button. But yeah, thankfully I want that the eject button still. All right, I'll end the stream. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for our supporters. Thank you for the donation. Make sure to tune in next week. We should be back. We'll probably be back on Thursday with the game show. And when we're going live, please share the comment, the, the link out there with other people to get them in here. And uh, let's keep this going and, and growing this community and really understand where this, this industry is going. It's exciting. And I it never gets old that week in, week out, there's always interesting new stuff to think about with this technology. So thank you all so much for joining us and we'll see you in the future.